0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ron Wadsworth.
1: And I'm Maximus Hunter. We are joined in studio today by our reporters,
2: Brittany Liskey and Chrissy Conklin.
0: Awesome. And we have a pretty cool show uh, scheduled for you guys today.
1: We had a bit of a late start, if you might have noticed.
0: But that is okay. We are up and rolling now. So we are going to kick it right off with Chrissy Conklin with local news.
1: Alright, good afternoon,
2: this is Chrissy Conklin, your local news host on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. For those of you looking to travel on Interstate 25 between Fort Collins and Loveland this weekend should look for alternative routes. According to the Colorado Department of Transportation, a full closure is planned for this weekend on Interstate 25 between Fort Collins and Loveland, Colorado as part of the I-25 North Express Lanes project. Southbound I-25 between Crossroads Boulevard and U.S. Highway 34 will be closed to allow crews to place girders on the new bridge over the Union Pacific Railroad tracks near Sentara. This bridge is part of the Kendall Parkway section of the $600 million I-25 North Express Lanes project. This project will add a toll lane in both directions and will include other upgrades from Burtown to Fort Collins. Travelers can expect these particular closures to happen from 11 a.m. this Friday to 6 a.m. Saturday, then again from this Saturday at 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. The detour offered for southbound I-25 traffic has motorists exiting I-25 at Crossroads Boulevard, heading east to Sentara Parkway, then south on Sentara Parkway to U.S. Highway 34 and west I-95. In other news, Colorado lawmakers approved the death penalty repeal bill. This will make Colorado the 22nd state in the U.S. to abolish the death penalty. This will have been the sixth attempt at repealing the death penalty in the state of Colorado since 2009. This year, the bill picked up some bipartisan support. There are currently three men sitting on death row who will not apply for the new law. Although, Democratic Governor Jared Polis has suggested that he might consider clemency for the inmates if they were to ask. The three inmates whose cases do not apply for the death penalty repeal law are Robert Ray, Sir Mario Owens, and Nathan Dunlap. Robert Ray and Sir Mario Owens are both on death row for the 2005 murders of Javad Marshall Fields, the son of Colorado State Senator Rhonda Fields, as well as his fiance Vivian Wolfe. Both victims were graduates of Colorado State University. We'd like to offer our continued condolences to Senator Fields. The third person on Colorado's death row, Nathan Dunlap, is incarcerated for the deaths of four people inside the Aurora Chuck E. Cheese restaurant in 1993. Further information regarding the sentences of these three inmates is pending. On a lighter note, I'm sure that many of you Colorado residents enjoy the outdoors that we're so blessed with in this state. I know I do. (laughs) I know, I definitely do, especially today, besides the wind. (laughs) It's been nice, though. Yeah, it's been sunny. Uh, Representative Barbara McLaughlin's bipartisan legislation to create the Outdoor Recreation Industry Office passed today in the House Committee on Energy and Environment. The legislation passed by a vote of 9-2. to 2. Representative McLaughlin stated that outdoor recreation is critical for Colorado's economy and this legislation will sustain and foster this growing industry. We can do more to support outdoor recreation and the jobs it creates while also protecting the beautiful public lands in which the industry relies. The outdoor industry here accounts for about 10% of Colorado's economy, with $37 billion in consumer spending, supporting and creating more than 511,000 jobs. The offices also created the Rural Technical Assistance Program, which leverages state partnerships to further economic development in rural Colorado. Also a little fun side note, the outdoor industry also sponsored the 2019 Colorado Classic, which is the only all-women professional bike race, r- bike race in the Western Hemisphere. This legislation is extremely relevant and beneficial to what we have to offer here in Colorado. That's all I've got for you for local news today. Get out there and soak up the last of today's sunshine. This has been your local news on the Rocky Mountain Review with your host, Chrissy Conklin. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thanks, Chrissy.
0: Awesome, Chrissy. Alrighty, we're going to keep things rolling, and we're going to do a little bit um, of talk about PETA and what's happening here at the school. Uh, Would you like to... Kinda of
1: intro that Max? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> it wasn't a very big gathering, but this morning, uh PETA members and interested students gathered at the Laurie Student Center at Colorado State University to protest some of what had been going on at Colorado State University. And uh since this isn't actually the first time PETA has come to protest the school, I figured we'd compile some information about what's going on. What the university's done to respond, and what PETA is doing. So uh, we're going to spend the next little while talking about this PETA incident, and everyone's going to contribute some. Uh, I'm Ren. You're going to start it off, right? And, uh, yeah. Ren, you're just going to read the uh, press release that PETA sent out uh, to us and others yesterday, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it was today's press release from PETA. Um, but we did want to remind people who are listening that we are going to have some listener questions throughout it because we do want your participation so at the end of almost every section we're going to ask a new listener question and those same listener questions are going to be on Twitter so make sure you're active there or you're texting in and that number is going to be 970-491-5278 once again that number is going to be 970-491-5278 and we'll keep reminding you of that question throughout the segment and we'll keep giving you new listener questions but if you kind of want to Share your opinion on what you think is going on at CSU and with PETA, go ahead and text us in or tweet us.
1: At KCCUFM.
0: Alrighty. But here's a, a PETA's press release. A CSU president is to face protest over schools, experiments on wild birds. PETA supporters at University's International Symposium will demand an end to deadly West Nile virus tests on birds. On Thursday, PETA supporters will descend on Colorado State University President Joyce McConnell's session at the school's and international symposium to urge her to end experimenter Gregor Ebel's deadly curiosity-driven experiments on wild-caught crows, robins, and sparrows. The action comes in the wake of a new study that reveals a staggering decline of bird populations. Around 3 billion birds have been lost in the U.S. and Canada since 1970. Ebel traps the birds, infects them with West Nile virus, and kills them. Infected birds develop a fever and anorexia and have difficulty controlling their bodily movements. Some species, including American crows, experience systematic infections followed by multiple organ failure and death. Ebel himself admits that viral mechanisms differ radically among species, making his experiments irrelevant in treating West Nile virus in humans. Moreover, the stress experienced by birds in captivity limits the applicability of Ebel's tests to wild bird populations. In response to a PETA complaint, Colorado Parks and Wildlife cited and fined Ebel and suspended his license after he trapped 37 crows in 2018 without the required state permit. PETA also points out that the systematic and ongoing violations of federal animal welfare laws in CSU's animal experimentation program have led to the injury, suffering, and death of animals. According to a just-posted federal report, three bats died, presumably from suffocation, after being inadvertently folded into a shade cloth that was slated to be cleaned. Additionally, photos recently obtained by PETA through a Freedom of of Information Act request depict the worsening conditions of a mare with a cloudy, swollen eye and an underweight sheep. Dogs and cats used in experiments were were denied any pain relief, and a llama died after losing 25% of his body weight. Enclosures contained sharp points that could injure animals, food troughs had caked on debris that were an inch thick, and water receptacles containing a green algae-like growth. Experimenters also deviated from protocols approved by school's Institutional Animal Care and Use Committee. Quote, CSU has demonstrated time and time again that it can't or won't comply with minimal animal welfare regulations, says PETA's vice president, Dr. Alka uh, Chadna. PETA is asking CSU President Joyce McConnell to conduct a thorough audit and address the chronic violations documented by federal inspections and pay special attention to the laboratory of Gregory Ebel, who captures healthy crows, robins, and other birds from their natural homes, infects them with West Nile virus, and kills them. Alrighty, so that was once again um, PETA's most recent press release, and we had a listener question for that that's again, gonna be on Twitter, and that's just what do you think of PETA and the PETA protest that's going on at the school, and do you think it's justified after hearing their um, opinions about what's going on at the school?
1: And you can text in how, what you think to nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight. That's nine seven zero four nine 491 kcsu But CSU has uh, not only responded to PETA's press release, but they've also actually publicly responded last year, previously. So uh, Chrissy is going to read CSU's response from last year.
2: Alrighty, so here's the previously posted public statement from CSU. Research into West Nile virus is essential to understanding how we can take steps to save human and animal lives from the effects of viruses transmitted by mosquitoes. Our research into understanding how these viruses work in nature informs a larger body of work that helps science advance toward medical interventions and disease prevention. This ultimately benefits birds, animals, and humans. Basic research to better understand these viruses contributes significantly to our understanding of mosquito-transmitted illnesses and the birds they affect. Birds are important to scientific studies because they host many diseases that are transmitted by mosquitoes. These viruses live in birds, and also make them sick. When these birds are hit by mosquitoes, the mosquitoes ingest the virus and then pass it along to other birds, animals, and humans that they bite. Humans and many other animals don't contribute to the spread of the virus. They are dead-end hosts of the virus, meaning that a mosquito can bite an infected person but not carry the virus to another person or animal. Birds are essentially the reservoir for West Nile virus, along with many other viruses. How their bodies respond to these viruses is important information for scientists to understand. How these viruses behave and spread is an increasing concern among scientists due to environmental change, the rise of tropical megacities, and increases in global travel and trade. West Nile virus, chikungunya, and Zika viruses are all good examples of how science is needed to understand the problem of viruses emerging in new places. These are also major problems for the health of us all. West Nile virus is unique because it can study key evolutionary processes in the actual mosquitoes and animals that influence it in nature, unlike viruses like Zika, which relies on people and non-human primates for maintenance in nature. West Nile virus mainly infects birds, but also can infect bats, horses, dogs, cats, chipmunks, skunks, squirrels, rabbits, alligators, and people. The virus can be fatal to animals as well as humans. It causes encephalomitis, which is inflammation of the brain and spinal cord. In fact, one-third of horses that contract the disease can die, and nearly 20% won't fully recover or will relapse. Raptors have been fairly significantly affected here in Colorado from West Nile, and up to 70% of the crow population has been lost during particularly bad years in certain geographical locations. Understanding more about how the virus interacts with birds provides the scientific information that is needed to develop pathways to help birds, animals, and humans. At CSU, our institutional policies and procedures that ensure a thorough review of this research includes community members and experts. They confirm our practices meet or exceed the guidelines of the treatment of animals. The West Nile research was also externally reviewed by the National Institutes of Health, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and Colorado Parks and Wildlife Agencies. In addition to laboratory studies, our researchers worked actively with state officials in Colorado communities to reduce the spread of West Nile virus during summer months. Such research is not merely an academic matter. It is critical to ensuring the health and welfare of animals and humans in, Colorado's, in Colorado and around the world. During 2008, 18, 37 crows were collected from the wild for West Nile virus studies looking at how the virus interacts with the birds that hosts the virus and spread it to other animals and humans. Some activist groups have been intentionally misleading in public statements, including inser- asserting that the university is being investigated for this research due to a lapse in a required statement permit, state permit to collect birds. CSU has engaged in conversation with both the USDA and Colorado Parks and Wildlife regarding the assertion that there are investigations. We have confirmed that the USDA is not investigating and Colorado Parks and Wildlife has told the University that it remains in support of the academic research Colorado State is conducting with the Human Health and Safety Project. Two permits are required to collect wild birds, one federal permit and one state permit. The annual federal permit was current during this time, but due to a clerical error, there was an inadvertent lapse in the annual state permit during the time that the birds were collected in 2018. Prior to 2018, the, researchers, the researcher had both the annual state and federal permits for collecting data back to 2013. CSU communicated this error to the sponsor of the work, the National Institutes of Health. We also are reviewing our protocols tracking processes to add additional checks to ensure licensing is in place. All state and federal permits are currently up to date for 2019 and have been since January 9th. And as our listener question, we want to ask you, what do you think of CSU's West Nile experiments? Is it worth the potential crow deaths?
1: Thanks, Chrissy. And you can text your answers into that to 970-491-5278. That's 970-491-5278 or respond to our tweet. But CSU actually gave us an updated statement as of today, which hasn't been released to the public yet. And Brittany is going to be sharing that one.
3: Yes, they did. So, I will be reading CSU's updated statement for you today. The information presented in the press release from PETA is intentionally misleading. The university is held to the highest standards of animal welfare by our own internal reviews and policies, as well as external institutions, including the National Institutes of Health and the USDA. The university proactively reports to the USDA when it becomes aware of a concern. CSU upholds institutional policies and procedures to ensure a thorough review of all research to meet or exceed animal welfare concerns. In addition, our researchers also must answer to state and federal agencies that partner in our research projects and who also demand oversight in animal welfare. In each of the situations, which occurred over a period of several years, Accurate, accurate information contextual information is missing. In all cases, the university immediately addressed the issue, were already providing veterinary care or solving the issue, or immediately implemented improved procedures to ensure that concerns were immediately reported to the university's research veterinary staff and to ensure that similar situations did not occur again. The university also successfully appealed two of the reports. Additional information on the topic includes... The mare was seen daily by veterinarians after its arrival at CSU five days before the report, but the university did fail to create an initial medical record that the eye was slightly swollen when the mare arrived. The eye had no discharge until the morning of the USDA visit. The mare continued to receive veterinary care until the issue was resolved. Pain medicine was not withheld from animals that were in distress. Instead, clerical errors in research protocols that inadvertently left out information regarding pain management resulted In reports to the USDA per federal requirements. Or, in one case, a pain medication that was appropriate but different from the medication in the approved research protocol paperwork was given to the animal. Water troughs in animal pens frequently contain debris and must be and are cleaned daily. Animals transfer debris into water as they eat, drink, and move around the pen. The university was in the process of replacing the rusty troughs. The llama, which was 19 years old and has a lifespan of 20 to 25 years, had an inflamed small intestine but did not show symptoms. In addition, it initially arrived at the university overweight and initially lost weight over a planned and prolonged period of time. An additional feed was provided once its weight was within a normal range. And that is the CSU's upstated statement.
1: And we have a listener question for that one also. Um, that question, is Colorado State University doing enough to respond to criticisms and ensure ethical animal experiments? You can text in your uh, re- response to nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight, or tweet it at kcsufm.com. And I'm going to take this next bit um, because in the original PETA um, press release, They cite a source about uh, bird populations uh, as the reason why they consider this such an important issue. And that source is from a National Geographic article, which links to a few other ones. And it does have some really interesting statistics in it that I wanted to go over really quick. So they are correct in saying that since 1970, North American bird populations have dropped by 3 billion. Um, That is roughly 30% of North American bird populations, which is a pretty significant drop. Uh, According to National Geographic, the main causes for this are pesticides, glass windows, and I thought this was really surprising, but house cats, which according to National Geographic, and it's National Geographic, they're pretty trustworthy, kill a staggering three to four billion birds a year.
2: Wow, that's a lot.
1: That's a lot. That is a lot. So National Geographic recommends to bolster bird populations, we should do these things. We should keep cats indoors. Don't have large, clear picture windows that birds won't notice our windows. Uh, Keep bird feeders. Tear open the loops on the side of plastic bags and your six-pack holders before you throw them away so birds and other animals don't get stuck in them. And avoid the use of chemical pesticides. Um, Also, something mentioned in PETA's press release, and you may have noticed that Colorado State University did not address, is the three bats that PETA described as being suffocated to death. Uh, This claim by PETA actually appears to be accurate, and Colorado State University has been subject to investigation by the United States Department of Agriculture as recently as last month regarding these dead bats. Uh, This is also stemming from another bat mishandling incident in 2018 where seven bats died. The activism group known as Stop Animal Exploitation Now has as of February 25th filed a formal complaint for the investigation of Colorado State University with the USDA. As of this moment though, the current investigation has been resolved and CSU received a critical citation. CSU spokespeople say it's worth noting that both of the incidents with the bats were accidental and were reported immediately and voluntarily. And after that, we're going to move back to Brittany. And Brittany, you have some more information about a 2013 incident with CSU getting cited for animal welfare.
3: Yeah. So in 2013, CSU earns nine animal welfare citations for $23,000. And according to KUNC, the Colorado State University, Fort Collins campus has paid more than $23,000 in fines to the U.S. Department of Agriculture for violating parts of the Animal Welfare Act, a federal law that regulates the treatment of animals in research. The nine citations issued by the USDA occurred between 2007 and 2010 and include everything from researchers not following set protocols to deficiencies in food storage containers. The citations were primarily administrative in nature. They did not have an impact on the welfare of any animals, said CSU spokesperson Brad Bolander. We do take these things very seriously. All of the issues have been addressed and the fines have been paid. A press release from the advocacy group Stop Animal Exploitation Now has said that a university violated the public trust by performing experimentation tainted by carelessness and negligence. Bolander said CSU has an Animal Use Care Committee, which will continue to oversee procedures to ensure the regulations are met. The Animal Advocacy Group said that other universities like Harvard and the University of Louisiana have also paid fines for violating the Animal Welfare Act. In May, the USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service announced efforts to step up its enforcement of the Animal Welfare Act.
1: Thanks, Brittany. And now Chrissy is going to walk us through something that happened back in 2017 here at CSU's on campus.
2: Okay, so on our campus, CSU had a large anti-meatpacking protest. Um, So after the announcement of a new meat harvesting facility on March 28th, student group RAMS Organization for Animal Rights has been fighting for transparency from Colorado State University about funding and plans. Thursday's demonstration focused on the corruption Roar has seen in CSU's faculty with accepting the $12.5 million grant for a meat processing facility. CSU is currently building the JBS Global Food Innovation Center, a meat processing facility to educate students on meat processing and ethical practices in this field. According to Rams Organizing organizing for Animal Rights, CSU has not been transparent about the process and did not release any information about the building plans until the groundbreaking, prompting the group to hold a demonstration called hashtag CSU integrity. One of CSU's main guiding values is integrity, said Abigail Bierce, the president of Roar. CSU can't hold on to their integrity with such a corrupted group. The upcoming building received a $12.5 million investment from JBS, which Bierce said was corrupted. According to the Wall Street Journal, the former CEO of JBS, Josely Batista, resigned after bribes were revealed. JBS is one of the largest meat packers in the world and has been accused of bribing different health inspectors and cutting corners in health and safety concerns, according to Beers. According to Joanna Swenson, the first year master's student studying meat sciences, the allegations made about the corporation's CEO were about the Brazil branch of JBS in Brazil, rather than the portion of the global meat processing company in the USA. In addition to this, the Animal Sciences Department works with the U.S. JBS headquarters in Greeley and their investment in the new meat processing facility is oriented towards furthering education opportunities for students. A lot of people are not aware. Due to headlines and misconstrued information, Swenson said, JBS is trying to support the university and allow students opportunities in education in the meat industry. Members of Roar are suspicious about CSU's lack of announcement about the funding and plans for the facility before groundbreaking. The Animal Sciences Department, while educating the students about meat processing, is also oriented towards the ethical treatment of animals. As an Animal Sciences student, I understand the full picture of production production agriculture, Swenson said. CSU is trying to be open and transparent about what the meat processing industry is and animal welfare is a big priority at CSU. The new meat processing facility is a great opportunity for the College of Agriculture to learn about the industry's process from start to finish, according to Swenson. A lot of the people don't understand the opportunity the faculty will give students, or the facility will give students, Swenson said. This is an improvement for the university. This is the best way to learn and understand the industry, giving students the ability to have hands-on experiments.
1: And that was from the Collegian, and uh, from Julia Trowbridge, who I believe graduated last year, was the person originally... Reporting on that one. Thank you so much, Chrissy. You're welcome. All right. And now Ren is going to tell us about CSU's own institutionalized animal ethics coalition.
0: Yeah. So uh, CSU has an institutional animal care and use facility, and we're just going to read their mission statement. So their mission statement is the conduct of ethical research is a longstanding tradition at Colorado State University. Part of this tradition is a continuing dedication to the humane and ethical care of animals used in research teaching and testing. This dedication as well as applicable federal regulation requires CSU to maintain a supervisory committee to the use of animals in research, teaching and testing. This committee is known as the Institutional Animal Care and Use Committee or IACUC. The IACUC reviews and regulates the use of animals for both research, teaching and testing. The IACUC and the attending veterinarian have oversight and responsibility for CSU's animal care and use program and the animal facilities, including uh, satellite campuses where animals are used for research, teaching, and testing. Twice a year, the IACUC inspects CSU's facility and reviews the uh, animal care and use program. The IACUC also serves as a resource for CSU researchers in all aspects of animal welfare and research. The Research Integrity and Compliance Review Office or RICRO provides administration services for the IACUC. Two staff members are assigned as IACUC coordinators with their knowledge of federal regulations and CSU policies. The IACUC coordinates serve as liaisons between the IACUC and investigators by answering questions, issues issuing and following up on IACUC correspondence, tracking protocol status, and providing training, solving problems and generally troubleshooting. We spoke to University Bioethics uh, Professor Bernard Rowland, who is a part of the Institutional Animal Care and Use Facility and when I asked him about PETA, his comment was they're not going to get anywhere and that was Max's uh
1: Yes, that is research. the direct that is the direct quote was uh, Professor Bernard Rowland, who's the bioethicist for the Animal Care and Use Facility, said that PETA is not going to get anywhere.
0: Yeah, and we just got a text in actually. Yes, we about- did this and they said, I think the crows absolutely were needed to be harvested especially considering that Larimer County has more than 20% of the reported West Nile cases in the entire state in 2019. West Nile is on the rise in multiple states and case numbers in 2019 were alarmingly high and we still don't understand why. Uh, thank you for texting in and if anybody else out there would like to text in with their thoughts or opinions on PETA or how uh, CSU is dealing with this, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. And again. Again, all of those questions that's, that we've been asking during the show are also on Twitter at KCSUFM.com.
1: And I'm going to ask another one right now that ties in to that one a little bit. So in this whole, uh, in this whole debacle, in this whole argument, as a community, as, as people who care about animals and people who care about CSU, what should we be focusing on? in this argument. What do you think our priorities should be in? Should it be in the guarantee, uh, guaranteeing ethical treatment of animals? Should it be in curing West Nile above all others? Text us what you think or tweet us at kccufm or text to 970 uh, 491 But now I'm actually going to jump in a little bit into PETA because PETA has been the driving force behind this whole conversation. They're the ones organizing the protest and Reporting Colorado State University and accusing Colorado State University. So I figured it would be worthwhile to look into PETA's background. And while um, PETA is the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, there have been moments in their history where they, other animal rights activists have found them questionable. And So I wanted to dive into that a second. So in 2015, an expose by the Washington Post found out that all of the animals PETA claims to rescue in their shelters, 80% are actually put down, roughly. Out of the remaining 20%, most are sent to other shelters or foster homes. The amount of animals actually adopted from PETA in a year? Somewhere around 100. For comparison, in 2014, PETA euthanized about 2,455 pets. PETA has also been known to unlawfully separate pets from their owners and then put them down. According to the same Washington Post article, a woman in Virginia sued the organization in 2014 for killing her chihuahua. Now PETA's numbers have improved since then, and the 2014 lawsuit seems to be an isolated one. An independent journalism website called PETAKillsAnimals.com has tracked all of PETA's intake numbers since 1999. In 2019, PETA's animal euthanization rate was down to 65.2%, which is the lowest it's actually been in 20 years. However, it's also worth noting that the organization's adoption rate was down to only 1.1% of all the animals they intake, so only 1.1% of all the animals PETA took in they were actually adopting out. This is still a serious improvement on PETA's numbers from 10 years before, in 2009, where the group put down 97.3% of all of their animals, roughly 2,366 animals, and only adopted out 31 animals, or 0.3%. Uh, Petakillsanimals.com, where I got these statistics, receives their information from public records available in the state of Virginia, where the PETA base of operations is located. And I, I'm just curious because PETA morally is, has, has this controversy, what do you think about euthanasia? Do you think euthanasia is justified? Do you think the way PETA does it is justified? Uh, text in that answer to 970-491-5278 that's 970-491-5278 not sure if we'll tweet that one it won't look very pretty on a twitter feed
0: Alrighty, but uh that is our whole piece about PETA the protests that are going on at CSU right now some past protests um what's happening with CSU their mission statement and their kind of press releases um
1: definitely let us know where you stand
0: let us know all of your thoughts about that go ahead and tweet any of the questions or Texas Senate 9704915278, but we are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to be back with Brittany Liskey with a little bit of campus news, and then we are going to actually close out the show after that. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that newscast and for the end of our show. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCCU Fort Collins. This. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth. And I'm
1: Maximus Hunter. And we've got our reporters in you.
3: Brittany Liskey And
2: Chrissy Conklin.
0: Awesome. And we just did a little piece. I shouldn't say little. It was a pretty,
2: pretty
1: big piece. Pretty big it, was
0: piece. A, it was a dense one. Yeah, about oh, yeah. PETA, uh, the protests going on, uh, CSU statements about those, and some past history that PETA and uh, CSU has had. So if you want to check any of that out, it's all going to be... Um, on kcsufm.com probably not tonight we were having a little bit of technical issues in the studio but it will be up eventually but we're going to keep moving on with our show uh, with Brittany Liske with Campus News
3: yeah so hi I'm Brittany Liske and this is your Campus News on the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins has been ranked third nationally in per capita Peace Corps volunteers making Fort Collins the only city in Fort Collins in Colorado ranked in the top 10. Currently, there are 48 CSU students serving in the Peace Corps and has had a total of 1,758 students serving since the Peace Corps' state debuted in 1961. Many of the Peace Corps alumni live in Fort Collins and meet regularly as well as recruit area residents to serve in the organization. Since CSU plays such an active and important role in the Peace Corps, there are two designated recruiters on campus who work with both students and city residents. CSU is one of four universities in northern Colorado to add three point nine billion dollars in income to the economy of Larimer and Weld counties and supported one of every eight jobs in the region in the fiscal year of 2017 to 2018. These four schools include Ames Community College, Colorado State University, Front Range Community College, and the University of Northern Colorado. Some highlights of the economic impacts these schools have had are generating $299 million for the region through research spending, startup and spin off companies generated $227.9 million. Spending by students, those who relocated or stayed in the region and who wouldn't be in the region if not for the institutions, added approximately $147.9 million. Contributions from alumni currently employed in the regional workforce amounted to $2 billion and many more for a combined total of $3.9 billion impact. That's
1: a big number.
3: Yeah, a very big number for sure. (laughs) Students paid... A present value of $641.5 million to cover the cost of tuition, fees, supplies, and interest on student loans. And in return on their major investments, students receive $3.6 billion in increased earnings over their working lives, which is a return of roughly $3.2 in higher future earnings for every dollar they have invested in their education. Del Haro, a ceramicist and associate professor in the Department of Art and Art History at CSU, was one of the 50 artists to win the 2020 United States Fellowship, which is an award that honors creative accomplishments and supports ongoing artistic and professional development for artists. On winning the award, Haro said, in addition to the financial support, which is amazing, this kind of recognition provides a lot of confidence, time, and space to work towards larger and longer goals. For the award, artists are nominated anonymously and evaluated on things like their creative vision and influence on their profession and discipline. He plans to use the award to finish a studio piece in Old Town that he and his wife have been working on for some time. Liberal Arts Dean Ben Withers said, the USA Fellowship honors not only his talent and past success, but also his tremendous potential. This is the latest addition to a growing tradition of faculty noted for their creative excellence at CSU. My name is Brittany Liskey, and this was your campus news on the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
1: Thanks so much, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. Of
0: yeah, and so that is going to be the end of our show. A yeah. little bit of different... Uh, kind of a different show today. Yeah. Kind
1: of a different show. a little shorter.
0: No national news, no weather, but that's okay. We're here for the hard-hitting news today. Exactly. But We're back
1: as usual on Tuesday.
0: We do have to thank some people before we end out our show, starting, of course, of course, of course, of course, with Dam- Damien Castile.
1: You mean the Damien Castile mm-hmm. who made this song?
0: Very same one. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Damien Castile, for making this song and actually our break music as well. You make all
1: the good songs. Heck yeah. My he favorite does. band.
0: Uh, we would also like to thank our two reporters who are in the studio with us, and that is going to be Brittany Liskey and Chrissy Conklin. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Thanks Give for having us.
1: <laughs> right on. We'd also like to thank everyone in the KCC office who makes this happen. Uh, by that, I mean Julia Battley's, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monty Daniels, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Desiree Cruz, Taylor Sandall, Sam Bonafé, Yasmin Conscious, and the rest of the Staff here at KCSU, Tim, we couldn't do this without you.
0: Awesome, and I have to thank you, Max. Max actually got all of that information for the pita piece today, um, which is incredible. He did so much research. Thank you so much for doing that.
1: Thanks, Ren. I want to thank you. We had, a, I think, we had a really, we spent a really good day talking about the show and working on making improvements, and I think they're they're coming through nice and strong. Heck I love yeah. it. You
0: might have not seen them today because we had a little bit of a crazy show today but you will definitely see him next week so you're gonna want to stay tuned for that and if you missed anything on today's show or any of the rest of our shows that have been happening they're all going to be at kcsufm.com so you're going to want to check them out
1: and we have to thank you we really couldn't do this without you so seriously thank you and with that we'll we'll see you next time. time